Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, welcome back to Crossroads Church. I hope you enjoyed that worship as much as I did. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if many of you remember this, but when uh, I first came here to pastor, one of the things that I challenged our church was that I wanted our church to be the best. And, and I was very specific. I wanted our church to be the best within 25 miles, and then I, I started extrapolating out on what that would look like. I wanted to have the best children's ministry within 25 miles of here. I wanted us to have the best men's ministry within 25 miles of us. I wanted us to experience the best women's ministry within 25 miles, the best worship experience, the best preaching and I want us to be the best church when it comes to generosity. Today, I'm in week two of the I Believe series, and I believe in generosity. Now, folks, I can tell you this, that I can speak with confidence on this subject. Uh, I dare say that I can speak with authority on the subject of being generous. Many of you that are sitting here today, you have experienced uh, the generosity that Carrie and I a carry in our heart, not just with our time and our talent, but with our treasure. Um, uh, it just so happens that the, today my brother is here, uh, my baby brother Jason, and uh, earlier this year, uh, or last year, late last year, I don't remember what it was, um, my father had given us a truck uh, about six years ago, and um, I bought Jason out on that truck, and I enjoyed it. Y'all remember seeing that F-150 King Ranch? Well, if you've seen me driving a truck lately, it's, it's not a F-150 King Ranch. It, I call it Little Red. It, it's a, a little Ford Ranger that shouldn't be on the road, and um, it makes a lot of noises it shouldn't make. And uh, about seven months ago, Jason and Brittany got to adopt a second daughter, and they needed a be bigger vehicle. So we, we did a little swap and and um, I missed my truck, Jason. <laughs> but I, I also... <laughs> And blessed when I think about Jason getting to drive dad's truck and that he's able to put his whole family in there. Yep. Um, and not only is my brother here, uh, and so here's the reality. If you're family and you come to a, a, a sermon that I preach, you're going to get somehow built into the, the, the message. And so my sister's here as well, and uh, this is my big sister. She, um, you know, out of all of our family, Amy has uh, been, she's the rock. Uh, she has been through a, a much rougher life than I had. I was the middle child, so you know my life wasn't rough, right? Um, uh, a, a lot more heartaches and, and a lot more toughness in her. And so one of Amy's heartbeats is she goes and she trains and she helps people. And so she had reached out to us earlier this week um, to be a part of a thing called the NAMI Walk. And NAMI stands for the National Alliance of Mental Illness. This is a passion for my sister, and because it's a passion for her, it's now a passion for me. And so Carrie and I are going to join her um, for this walk, 
And, um, and so I want to uh, not only join her for the walk, but I want to bless her. And so you'll see me put a post out on Facebook later today. And my challenge to you, church, is this. Uh, um, I'm going to match up to $500, whatever the church will help sponsor Amy on this um, walk. That's, what's the date of the walk? May 21st. So anyways, that, that is coming up. Um, and if you, if you want to join me in that generosity, I hope that you do. Um, but uh, I love my family, and I love that they're able to be here. We, we're celebrating a bunch of birthdays this weekend, and so um, I hope you get to take part of that. In 2021, I started the year, um, Carrie and I, with the purpose of giving more than we have ever given in a single year before. And I stand before you telling you that we accomplished that mission. And I can tell you this, that God blessed us more than he's ever blessed us before. You see, I believe that all Christians practice generosity. I think that is something that happens when um, we, are, we become a new creature. That selfish nature now has a selfless nature. Many of us struggle um, surrendering to the selfless nature. And, and all Christians practice generosity. Some are particularly gifted in this. This is something that I had to grow in. I was not particularly gifted in um, being selfless. I was a very selfish guy. Uh, those of you that are married, you probably understand that your husbands for the first 10 or 15 years of the marriage are very selfish people. Now, don't tell them that if you're inside that range yet. Uh, they haven't figured it out. Well, one day they'll wake up and they'll roll over and they'll say, honey, I'm sorry. I've been so selfish for the last 15 years. Or they'll write it in a card. John, John Wesley said it this way. Gain all you can. Save all you can. And give all you can. Now, I, I got to tell you that I think most of us are good with one of those. We're trying to gain all we can. And I stand before you unashamed that, uh, that I love pursuing. Uh, when I was in the military, I wanted the next rank. Well, you know, not only because it came with authority, but you know what it came with? More money. That's right. And, um, and so I wanted to gain all I could. But it's wisdom that tells us to save all we can. And it's wisdom out of this world that tells us to give all we can. John Wesley was a, a very wise young man. The practice of generosity describes a Christian's unselfish willingness to give in order to make a positive impact for the name of Jesus Christ. I experienced this firsthand in Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we left town, came back, and our house was uh, destroyed and unlivable at the time. Just a few months ago, we experienced this down in uh, Kentucky with the tornadoes. And the question is, was it FEMA or was it faith-based organizations that came to the rescue? And I would gladly tell you that the faith-based organizations stood up proudly. They showed up. They're still there today. Uh, we see that in the um, SBC Disaster Relief Program. Um, we experienced that. Matter of fact, the, the governor of Mississippi, when we lived in Katrina, he said that if it wasn't for faith-based organizations that came into the state, we would have been crushed. Because I don't know if y'all knew this, but when Hurricane Katrina happened, it didn't just hit Louisiana and, and New Orleans. It wiped out the entire Mississippi Gulf Coast from one end to the other. Christians are generous. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says, I don't believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. 
I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Generosity. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that it's too small. C.S. Lewis. Basically, if I would sum that up, there ought to be things that we would like to do but cannot do because our giving expenditures exclude them. I experienced this firsthand in 2019. I'd taken a trip over to Baltimore to visit a friend. Um, When I landed, got off the airplane, I went to the car rental counter, and I'd never experienced this before. And when I uh, showed up and they gave me my tag, they said, just go pick out any car. Uh, And so I walked out there, and I walked by a Camaro, and I was like, Lord? No, I didn't, I didn't go to the Lord on that one. Um, I thought, you know what? If I get that car, I'm going to have a speeding ticket before it's all said and done. So I walked to the next car, and it was a Dodge Charger. I mean, Dodge Chargers are kind of slow. So I got in that Dodge Charger. I started it. I felt that Dodge Charger. At the end of that weekend, when I turned it in and I got on the plane, all I could think about was, I was going to get me a Dodge Charger. I came home and I told Carrie, I think God's telling me. I need to get a Dodge Charger. But we were entering into a season of our life where we had the chance to, to bless our children, and I forewent the Dodge Charger to be able to invest in their lives. Today, what I want to do is I want to share with you from the Bible four types of giving. Since I've been a pastor here for the last three years, if I've erred anywhere, I've told you this last week that I could preach every week on the subject of prayer. It's it's a passion of mine. God answers prayer. I could also preach every week on giving. It's something I'm passionate about. It's something I live out every day. And if I've erred, I haven't preached enough on giving. Matter of fact, in um, Jesus, 16 of his 38 parables was on the topic of giving. In 2019, I preached my first sermon on giving. It was a very quiet day. And then um, later that week... uh, the treasurer came up to me and said, Ronnie, he said, there was a $17,000 offering and 14 of it was one check. And I'm like, Lord, you know, and, and I thought about my, my gift of, of, of preaching, did it impact them that much? And my head started getting big. Matter of fact, we had to use double doors everywhere I went around the building <laughs> And then the treasurer came back and he says, oh, by the way, um, he wasn't here the last Sunday when you preached on giving. (laughs) I don't think that it's, so I'm not going to preach at you today. I'm going to teach you today. I want to teach you about what the Bible says about the four types of giving. And the first type of giving is called alms. It's not a word that we use anymore. 
But in the book of Acts chapter 3, I actually shared this with you a few weeks ago. And I'll just read these verses quickly. If you have your hot sheets in front of you, you'll see a bunch of different Bible verses I'm going to run through very quickly. They're not going to be up on the screen, but I would encourage you to mark those in your Bibles. If you have the chance to stay with me, do so. But go back and highlight these and read them. If you're here this morning and you don't own a copy of God's Word, if you look underneath the seat in front of you, you'll see a Bible. And I appreciate if you'd pull that out and open it up because there's a message inside that Bible. And it says that if you don't own a copy of God's Word, we want you to take that one. Put your name in it. Make it yours and take it home with you today. We here at Crossroads believe it's that important that all of us have a copy of God's Word. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said these immortal words. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Much better than the alms that he expected to receive that day. Luke chapter 11 and verse 40, Jesus says these words to the Pharisees. He says, you fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within. Now, the word alms means righteousness or justice. And what happened with the children of Israel, they would give to the poor and the needy because they were making right a wrong that had happened. Whether it was through intentionality or circumstances, they were trying to help that, that person, that invalid, that sick, the poor, the destitute, and raise their level, their standard of living. And through that, they experienced righteousness. But unfortunately, the religious people, they went a little too far with it because Jesus says, but woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb. And what I want you to understand is the, the Pharisees tithe. They went down to when they were given um, uh, herbs, they would weigh them and they would take one-tenth out and give that to the church. They made sure that they did a tenth of all of their increase. But they missed out on the greater. And here's what Jesus said. You neglected justice, which was the very being of alms and the love of God. Those you have ought to done without neglecting the others. The reality is in church, 90% of the givers in the church give alms. They tip God. You know what that looks like, right? You go out to dinner or lunch. The bill comes. You probably pay for it. You open up your wallet, and then you give a little bit of what's in there. I love tipping. Matter of fact, in the month of December and January, I gave away more $50 tips than I'd ever done. We went to lunch and had a $20 lunch, and that person got a $50 tip. I love going to a restaurant that's having a super slow day because I want to be super generous with that person that's 
Unfortunately, sometimes I think that many approach giving to God the same way. They open up their wallet, they look at what's left, and they give a small portion of that to God. They don't think twice about buying a new toy, guns, jewelry, gaming consoles, cars, vacations. But when it comes to God or the church, what's left, God gets a small part. The second type of giving that the Bible talks about is tithes. The most famous book on this is Malachi. The most famous chapter is 3. Most famous verse is 10. Will a man rob God? But here's the reality. Most people never read the rest of the book of Malachi. And they miss the big picture. Because the whole book of Malachi was about returning to God. In chapter 1, it was about returning to their personal faith in God. In chapter 2, it's about returning their families to their faith. That's where we're at, Crossroads Church. I have watched over the last three years, many of you return to the faith. Many of you who are running from God, come back and are on fire and are burning brightly. And I've seen many of you, not only did you come back to God, but you have brought your family with you. That's why you, did you see that exodus of children? Every Sunday. Why? Because people brought their families back to faith. And in chapter 3, they return their finances to faith. This is where we're at, Crossroads. We have done good in returning. We've done great in returning our families. And I'll just be honest with you, we are negligent with our finances when it comes to the church. It amazes me that God can take families and completely turn them upside down, change their future for eternity, and they get offended, and they walk by the plates, and they never think twice about supporting that very ministry that changed their lives. In Malachi chapter 4, God returns. And my challenge to you is this, as a church, as a corporate body, I want us to go to the next level. Not for my salary, because I haven't taken a, a pay raise since I've got here, and I don't intend to for the first 10 years that I'm here. I want you to experience what God has promised. And so in verse 6 of Malachi chapter 3, it reads as so. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes. What were the statutes? About how they should live. And have not kept them. Return to me. And if you read the whole book of Malachi, it's only four short chapters. Return to me is the theme. And so in chapter 1, they returned in their faith. They, in chapter 2, they returned in their families. And, and now the challenge is to return in their finances. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And this is what God's word says. Verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he answers very eloquently in your tithes and offerings. In verse 9, because of that, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. 
Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, let me just, I want, I want to speak to you with a heart of grace. The reality is this, that not just at Crossroads Church, the church in America, only 3 to 5% actually tithe a 10% of their income. There are people who give. A matter of fact, you'll hear uh, some people say, I tithe 5%. That's not accurate. Um, Because the only way that you can tithe, that's one-tenth. That's what the word means, one-tenth. And that's why it says here, there's two words I want you to point out in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Malachi. Number one, it's bring, not give. See, when it belongs to somebody else, you know, um, you don't give it back to them, you bring it back to them. We know that the tithe belongs to God, and we bring it back to him. Number two is the full tithe. That means 10%. The, The truth of the matter is, though, that we are willing to test God just about everywhere. We test God on what we can get away with on Saturday night, and will he show up and speak to us on Sunday morning? We test God on how we treat our family and our friends, and we hope that God will bless that relationship. We test God on what we do with our life and the lifestyle that we live, and we want God to bless it. And yet the only place in the Bible that God said, test me, we look the other way. Like, ooh, I don't know what you're talking about there. Most of your Bibles, the book of Malachi must not be in there. He says, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there is no need for more, I will rebuke the devourer. And let me ask you something. Who in here could stand for a little bit of blessings in their life? Oh, y'all afraid to raise your hands. I get it. Y'all been to a couple of my sermons, haven't you? I get you guys excited, raising your hand. Next thing you know, you're going to a mission trip in deepest, darkest Africa. I'm not going to do that to you today. Who needs some blessings in their lives? You can think of an area, God, I need a blessing right here. Let me ask you this. Who needs the devourer to be rebuked? How many people have had tires blow up? How many people have the engine stop working? How many people have had the, the computer or that phone that you spent a lot of money on and a lot of time on just quit? That's what the devourer does. That's what happens when we don't do what we're supposed to do. Understand this, church. God does not punish you because we don't tithe. So when it says, how have we robbed you? We didn't rob... Maybe this is the wrong analogy, but let's just say I went to one of Donald Trump's hotels. Billionaire, right? And, and I, I snuck out that morning and I didn't pay the bill. Do you think that that's going to hurt his bottom line at the end of the year? He, he's not even going to know that. He's going to write that off. Ronnie Tabor, that lousy preacher in Illinois. It's, it's not going to impact him. And I'm here to tell you this, that the creator of the universe is not impacted by what you don't do with the tithe. Folks, this church is debt-free. This church has been doing phenomenally well without, with 3% of the people giving. What could we do if we all did what God's challenged us to? What would that look like? 
What would it look like in your life when the, the devourer gets rebuked? For you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the soil, the vine in the field, and shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Now, most of you aren't farmers and aren't ranchers, aren't, you, you, you don't, this, this like just goes right over your head. But when you start talking about the other things that are going wrong in your life, where the devourer is, is coming in and he's destroying your life, it makes sense. Verse 13, your words have been hard against me. This is God speaking, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said this, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or our walking as in the morning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. I do something wrong and God takes me out to the woodshed. My neighbor does something wrong and somehow they get blessed. You know why most Christians walk around with a frown, walk around grumbling, walk around complaining, walk around mad at the world. And, and let me just tell you this, that that's what the community believes. They think that we hate them. You know why they think that? Because most Christians are mad that they're getting away with sin that God won't let us get away with. This is where you say amen. amen. <laughs> Got to retrain you. <laughs> Another thing people say, well, Ronnie, I don't know if you know the Bible, but Malachi's in the Old Testament. It doesn't apply to us today. This is 2022. I didn't know that. I missed that in theology training. So let me take you to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, which I believe is confidently in the New Testament. Not only is it in the New Testament, but was written 50 years after Jesus rose from the dead. And here's the words that Hebrews 7, 8 says. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men. The reality is that there are mortal men that take up the tithes at the end of the, the day, the giving that happens here. But in the other case, by the one of whom it is testified that he lives. It's referring to Jesus Christ. When you put your offering into that plate, it is not Ronnie Tabor that collects it. It is not the finance team that collects it. It is none other than Jesus Christ himself. If you walk out one of the doors, you'll see the name of Mrs. Barron, who had left a considerable amount to the church to, build this, to buy and build this property. Her account in heaven is just going up and up and up. The 62 baptisms we experienced last year are going to her credit. The 97 salvations last year are going on her account. Miss Barron is going to get a lot of blessings because one day she decided that she wanted to make a difference. Who are you giving your tithe to? You're giving it to Jesus Christ. I've heard a lot of people, when they are honest, they, you know what, I don't want to give it to a church because I don't like what the church is doing with it. Folks, I got over that a long time ago. Long time ago. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've been going to some churches where I didn't like what was going on, but I wasn't giving it to that pastor. I wasn't giving it to that finance team. And you know what? I would rather let God go get them than me. Because when I do something like that, they, they don't even, they're like Ronnie who? 
when God gets their attention, they get down on their knees. Deuteronomy 14, if, in case you were ever wondering, why is it that God wanted us to give a tithe? I mean, he doesn't need the money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So why did he put this on us? Deuteronomy 14, verse 22, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock. Here's why. That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Now, the problem is sometimes we have English words that don't accurately reflect what was really being said. For example, in Greek, they have four different words for love. Like we just use love. They used four different words because there was four different ways to say love. And it had a very different meaning. The same thing is for this word fear here is not what you think of fear. Like I think of, sometimes I feared my dad. Remember I told you that story about one time he told me and Amy to, to, to behave in the back seat. And, and for some reason we didn't. And he stopped the car, got out of the car, walked up and cut a limb off of a tree and had us over the bumper of the car in public. This is in the 70s, folks. My sister will tell you this is a true story. I did not make any of this up. And he whooped us. For three months, every time he slowed the car down, I, I, what, whatever I was doing in the... I, he got my attention. I, that was fear. But you know, I also learned to respect my dad, to love my dad. And that is what God wants us to do, that we may learn to love the Lord your God always. What's the opposite of love? Or let me say this, what's the opposite of respect? I dare say it's the word despise. I want you to remember that because I'm going to bring it back up in just a little bit. Numbers 18 and verse 26. Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, when you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I've given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. If you look at our church budget, you'll know that one of the first things that I instituted was to take 10% of everything that comes in and, and for us to reinvest that in missions. Matter of fact, last year we were way over 20% on reinvesting. Why? Because I want Crossroads Church to be a generous church. I'll share a few lessons learned from a lifetime of tithing. There's, there's two things that I commonly hear. From tithers, I always hear this, I'm so blessed. Every person who has, who, who has taken this step of obedience and faith, they will tell you that, you know what, I don't, it doesn't make sense, Ronnie, but I am so blessed and I'm not going to stop. And then there are the non-tither group. And this is what they all say. I just cannot afford to tithe. All of them. And, and the reality is this, until you start tithing, you won't be able to afford to tithe. But let me tell you this. Don't blame God for your previous bad financial decisions. Blame the devourer. When I was uh, early in my military career, I was stationed over at Scott Air Force Base. I just met a cute blonde that went to the church that I went to. I was smitten. I was in love. And I was returning in my faith. And one of the first things that the Holy Spirit had convicted me of is I'd been in the military for about nine months at this point, and I had not tithed on one penny 
that I'd made in the military. And I decided that night in the service that I was going to start tithing. And so I wrote the check. I put it in. On Tuesday night of that week, my Ford Escort wagon, the timing belt went out on it. $300 to get that fixed. I didn't have $300. I called my mom crying. She said, I'll send you the money. I said, no, mom, you can't send me the money. I said, this is my problem. I got to work through it. Because I knew what was happening. The enemy didn't want me to continue returning in my faith, returning in my finances. I'm here to tell you today the enemy didn't win. The third type of giving that we see in the Bible is called offerings. This is above and beyond the tithe. Everyone who gets to the point where they tithe, they give 10% of their income, they always grow into giving offerings. Most of us have it backwards. We give the offering before we give the tithe. And we miss out on the blessings that God promises for us. Exodus 35, verses 4 and 6, read this. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. And watch this. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twinen or twined linen. This was an offering to build the temple, the tabernacle. Who did he want to give? Those that had a generous heart. Nothing has changed today that God reaches out and he calls to us. He goes, those of you with a generous heart, give. And you know what? You have, many of you have answered the call. The reason why uh, you have experienced what you've experienced at Crossroads Church is because of not only Miss Barron, but because there are other people that give over and beyond their abilities and requirements. The fourth type of giving in the scripture is this, extravagant offerings. Have you ever secretly wished that you could be totally free to be extravagant in meeting or even exceeding someone's need? Have you ever known a neighbor that you knew that they hadn't the ability to pay their electric bill and you wanted to go and, and, and pay that in private and just see the smile on their face when they found out that good news? Have you, I've seen where a football player gets a new contract and they pay off mom and dad's house and they love, I love watching those videos when mom and dad open up that envelope and they, they see the deed to their house paid in full. I think that that God has put in, in the heart of every one of us that, that desire to be extravagant. Think about it. If, if, you, if, you, if you've ever played this game of what would you do if you won the lottery? You buy a mama a new house. You're paying off the bills. I think that we just intuitively know that life is not found in keeping hidden what we have, putting it all in a vault and locking it away, but it's in what we give that blesses other people. That the extravagant giving characteristic is not the size of the gift that makes it extravagant. It's the size of the gift relative to the size of the need. I put this in your note taker. There's three things that describe an extravagant gift. It exceeds what is expected. It exceeds what is affordable. And it exceeds what is needed. 
those of you who have experienced giving extravagantly for something or someone, you know the joy that comes with that. Jesus himself said these words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So if we really want to become extravagant givers, we need to open up our minds and realize that this isn't a zero-sum game. We need to open up our hearts and be sensitive to what are the opportunities for us to take part in blessing and being a blessing. And we need to open up the vault of our hidden treasures that God has blessed us with. We see two examples of this in Scripture. First in King David, 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. Where he paid $600,000 for the property that the temple would be set on. Verse 24 reads, but the king said to Aruna, no, I will buy from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen. And King Solomon did this in 2 Chronicles verse 1 and 6. Got two preachers out there? And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tent of the meeting, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Only one was required. And Solomon offered a thousand bulls. Not everybody has the ability or the desire to, to give an extravagant gift like that. And it's easy for us to look at other people and think that, well, they can do that. They have that ability. God's blessed them. But I would tell you this, that the reason why God's blessed them is because they gave when they didn't have anything. I'll close with this in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 15. Luke 16, 10. The one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If ye then have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? I would say it to you this way, and I believe this is an accurate interpretation of this scripture here. If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, the tithe, because the tithe is not yours, who will give you that which is your own, the blessings and the rebuking of the devourer? Continues to say that no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. You either respect money or you'll respect God. Church, I know this is a hard subject. There's a reason why less than 10% of Christ followers Take this step of faith. It's fear. They've never experienced what the blessing looks like. They believe that, yes, it worked for you and Carrie. They believe that, yes, it worked for my mom and dad. But for whatever reason, they think that it's not going to work for them. And I'm just here to tell you that that's not what the Bible says. And here's what Jesus said to finish this when he spoke to the Pharisees, he said, the Pharisees who were lovers of money. What does the Bible tell us about the root of all evil? It's not money. It's the love of money. He said, the Pharisees who were the lovers of money heard all these things 
and they ridiculed Jesus. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. And, and let me just humbly say this to you. If, if this has been a hard message for you, don't fall into the trap of justifying yourself to your wife or your husband, to your kids or your parents. Because it says it here that God knows our hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And I think that if there's anything that we as Christ followers don't want is to be guilty of doing what the Pharisees did. Of having a, a religion and denying the power thereof. You know, in the back of the seat in front of you, there's these I believe cards. I'd encourage every one of you to take one out. I just want to go through this with you again. This whole series on I believe is all about Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And it says these words, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is worked within us. See, here's the power that God wants to do through Crossroads Church. He wants to do it through you, and he wants to do it through me. And the reality is this, that if you or I don't step up, then God will use either another church or another group of people. At Crossroads Church, the mission has never been more important how we leverage our God-given resources will determine how we impact our community now and in the future. Your immeasurably more sacrificial gift is essential to lay a solid foundation for our future. Folks, we've got money in the bank. But when we look into the future, here's what the reality is, that our weekly giving only supports 60% of our operating budget. That's not sustainable. I've been very frank with the church that if something doesn't change in this area, then something will change in the church because this can't go on forever. We have stepped out in faith and believing and we have seen God deliver. We have seen God do something that's not happening in every church in our community. We have seen families restored. We have seen individuals come back to Christ. And I am here to tell you that you haven't seen anything yet. I believe that God has so much more that he wants and can do through us if we will step up and support the ministry the way that we are called to. If you turn to the back of the card, there's a verse there at the top left-hand corner. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I got a little convicted on this this week. I pulled up my uh, bank account online. I started looking, and I, I noticed there was a trend of where I spent my money. I found where my heart was. It was at restaurants. <laughs> I know that surprises a, a lot of you. You're like, how do I maintain this girlish figure? I, I, frankly, I was embarrassed how much money I spent out eating. But it says here, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We try to reverse that. We try to say where our heart is, well, there's our treasure is going to follow. It doesn't happen that way. Pull up your bank accounts. You'll see where your treasure's at. It might be at Walmart. It might be in a box with a smile on it coming from Amazon. I pick on those of you who go to Starbucks and pay too much for coffee. But folks, 
I want you to read one more verse with me. In the lower right-hand corner, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Church, I don't want you to ever make the mistake that I'm telling you that you need to do something that you're not ready to do. I don't believe God needs that. Matter of fact, I think God says I don't want that. But here's what I want. I want for you as a church to experience the freedom that Carrie and I have experienced. I want for you as a church to step out in faith and don't trust Pastor Ronnie. Trust what God's word says. Folks, I've given you nothing but scripture today. There are pastors who get up and say that you don't have to tithe. They're wrong. Let me say it this way. You don't have to tithe. But quit asking God for the blessings that he promises when you won't do what he's asked for the blessing. And let me just tell you something. The word of God never changes. 2 Corinthians 9 says, give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Go back to Deuteronomy in 16 and verse 17. It says, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. So, so when you hear a preacher say, that's Old Testament, or you hear another, you know who tells you that tithing is not in the Bible? People who don't tithe. Because you find someone who tithes and they'll find it in Scripture for you. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Church, I believe in generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers once. Which camp are you in? Isaiah 32, verse 8 says, Be generous people. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. I'm excited about what I'm hearing from you as a church. Many of you are anxious um, let me remind you what this is not. This is not a pledge card. Um, this isn't a card that I want you to write a number and, and turn it in. This is for you. Here's what I want you to do as a church. I want you to listen to God. I want you to write the number that he gives you. And then I want you to put this in your Bible. I want you to make another copy and put it in the visor. And make another copy and put it on your refrigerator. And then when you see the windows of heaven open up and they start pouring out in your life, you'll remember. Just like I can go back to 2004, and remember when God changed tectonic shift in our financial future. I believe that God is going to do that for many of you that step out in faith. And, and understand this, this, I'm not a name it and claim it preacher. I am not a um, invest seed money, but here's what I do believe, that when we step out in obedience, God blesses. Sometimes that blessing may come in a financial form. Sometimes it may come in a health. Sometimes it may come in a way that you just didn't even fathom. And when it happens, you know that that was from God for you. A few months ago, Carrie and I were at the pregnancy care clinic banquet. And, and we knew going to this banquet that it was a fundraiser banquet. And at some point, uh, they're going to ask for money. And so I asked Carrie, I said, how much do you want to give? And... Uh, she threw out a number. I said, how'd you come up with that? She goes, well, I figured out what I wanted to give, and I doubled it because I knew you would. 
I'm like, amen, praise Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we started talking about what God wants us to give for this offering. And I was praying, God, don't let her double it. <laughs> and, he, and she didn't. She came up with the same number that God had given me. And we are excited about March 6th, about being a part of blessing, not just Crossroads Church, but the city of Centralia and the greater area. Folks, that's how we're going to have the best men's ministry, the best women's ministry, the best worship ministry, the best children's ministry. And that's how we're going to have the most generous church within 25 miles. Folks, we don't have any millionaires in the church. At least I don't know. And if you are, if you would fill out a card and say, I'm one of the millionaires, I will come preach into your life. Church, we, we are a grassroots church that, that survive on the, the weekly givings of people that give sacrificially to what we do here. And, and I am unashamed in what we have done with the, the money that you've invested. Folks, we, we've lived it out. Now let's go to the next level. You see, I believe in 2022, Crossroads Church will give more than we've ever given any year previously. I believe that in 2022, Crossroads Church will give more to our community than we've ever given. Folks, we, we served 717 meals on Christmas Day, and why can't we serve 1,500? We can. Worship team, if you'll come up. Everyone else, if you'll stand with me. I just got one simple question for you. How many people would say with the uplifted hand, I want to be generous? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you see the hands that are raised. And God, more importantly, you see the heart that is connected to that. God, allow us to be a group of believers that believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, died on a cross for our sins, Lord. And the only reason that you have us here is so that we can tell other people about that good news. God, I pray that you would just break away, open up the vaults, and allow us to open up ourselves to you, Lord. We sang it earlier that we want to give you everything that we have. But God, we put our hands on our wallets. We shut our checkbooks. God, I pray that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each individual as they need. And God, that we as a church collectively would give what we have decided in our heart. And Lord, that you would show yourself in such a way that everybody that sees Crossroads Church knows that the God in heaven has blessed us. And God, by blessing us, we have blessed our community. We love you, we praise you, and we look forward, God, to see you show yourself strong. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.